Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. It's all poutine all the time here on the Hockey Buzzcast. Uh, first, we got Russ Cohen's uh, thoughts on poutine. Then you got mine. And, of course, everybody hated that because I hate poutine. Now we get Anthony Mangione's. Uh, <laughs> Hi, all. <laughs> now we get his feel, his thoughts on the wonderful gravy and cheese curds. Mm. Anthony? Okay, so Russ and I went to uh, Smoked Poutinery on South Street in Philadelphia. First time I've ever had poutine. I've been sort of curious about it. Been to Canada a couple times, but never actually had it. Um, all in all, I thought it was pretty good. Um, I, all, I had my son with me. My son killed his. I mean, he, he, thought, it was, he thought it was fantastic. Um, and Russ can attribute to that. He was, it was oh, yeah. Quickly, he was able to sack that thing. But again, he's 11 years old and, you know... Twice and didn't try to slow him down. What's that? I said, you tried to slow him down a couple times. I had to, yeah, exactly. And afterwards, we're in the car. I was like, my stomach's a little, uh, I'm like, that's what happens when you eat heavy stuff fast. Oh, God. So that was was part of the story there. But um, it was good. I mean, we, I I thought it was good. I'm, and obviously, we get the comments from the Canadian audience who's like, it's something across between Costco and Burger King. And I'm like, okay. I was like, I hadn't had it before. So I thought it was, like I said, it was good. It's, but it's not something I would have uh, regularly. regularly. Otherwise, I'll probably be about 400 pounds um, (laughs) if I do. But it was good. It was good to try. If I'm up in Canada, I will go to a mom and pop's place, a place you know, right. I had to have it. But uh, you know, it was good. The gravy was good. I thought that was good. I th- the fries are the key. Obviously, the fries are the key. Uh, you got to be able to handle the uh, the gravy because it, it's and still maintain its crunchiness. And I gotta say, they did a pretty good job of that. It was enjoyable. The cheese curds were good. So. I will uh, eventually compare it with something else when, I, when and if I get up to Canada, which I'm not sure, you know, when that'll happen next. But I have a message. Have a me- well, Anthony, yes. try, try lowering your try lowering your speaker there because we're getting a really better. big feedback. All right, that better? Yeah. All right. Yep. So I have a message for our friends from Montreal. Stop being so friggin' snooty. If they didn't make it in Montreal, it's because there are a hundred places that make poutine in, in wait, Montreal. Wait, 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 wait a second. There's not a hundred places in Philly. Part of the name Montreal, their snooty is somewhere in there. Come on, of course. You know, it's it's, it's Montreal. Now, the, the one the one Canadian delicacy that I have not had the pleasure to go because I've never been to Montreal and I'm hoping I can go sometime this year. You know, I've heard so many stories from uh, hockey reporters about the smoked meat sandwiches in Montreal. Specifically, uh, Delhi. I've always heard the hype for. Yeah, out of my if I get to Montreal, that will be have to be one of the places I'd have to go to. Right. To and, right. and and you know, I watched uh, I watched the show Diners, Drive-ins, and Dives on the Food Network, and there was a 
place in Toronto that they say is the best smoked meat sandwich in Toronto. So mm-hmm. a few months back, I, I tried and I am telling you it was, it was phenomenal. So I, I will, and I can't remember the name of it right now, but, and I I'll, I'll share it on my blog or something like that. But all, all I can tell you is if this sandwich in Montreal is anywhere close to the one in Toronto, I, you know, I, I'll lose it. Cause it was, I will say this. I didn't get to the place in Montreal for, for bagels, but I did have a Montreal bagel, and it was really good. So I could see that the hype was real for the Montreal bagel. Yeah, Anthony, try to log out and log back in because we're still getting the echo. Okay, I mean, just come out and come back in. All right. Yep, yeah. that's good. That'll, that's that, was, good. that was real. So I give them credit for that. Yeah, no, I mean, I, and like I've never, I've never had a Montreal bagel. I know that there's a difference between Montreal bagels and New York bagels. I've had New York bagels. Um, there's a place in Buffalo that makes New York style bagels. I'm sure the ones in New York are better. I yeah. No, you know. know what the difference was? I'll tell you what the difference is. The okay. difference is the Montreal bagel is thinner and airier, where the New York bagel is more dense. Okay. Yeah. I like. Yeah, that. I've actually had a Montreal. That that's actually when we were in when my wife and I were up in Montreal for. Battle quite a few years back. Um, I had a Montreal bagel. There's a definite difference between the two. They're both excellent. It's just they're yeah. really good in their own ways. Yes. Sound better now, uh, Mike? Yes. Yeah, it sounds pretty good. No, yeah. no echo. And, and uh, last thing on the food thing, and then we'll get you know we got to realize, folks, it's August fourth. There's not a ton of hockey stuff. We will try to bring you the latest hockey news, but we have to we have to stretch a little bit and go go. Now I'll tell you this, and I, I've had this discussion with many a reporter friend up in Toronto and friends up in Toronto. Obviously, there is a different. There are different FDA regulations, food regulations in Canada than there are in the United States. And I think one of them that is fairly noticeable is the content, is the percentage of salt that is allowed in foods. Because Mm -hmm. Canadian potato chips are much saltier. And I like that. They're much, much more salty than American chips. The only problem is they sell the most disgusting chips Ketchup chips. The, ketchup I don't chips know. are gross. They're they're absolutely gross. I don't know how any and, and there's so many people up there that like them. So I'm I, I'm I'm creating a, a network of people who are hating me in Canada because I hate poutine and I hate ketchup, ketchup chips and the pineapple pizza is two strikes against Canada. <laughs> so okay, so we're not there. Endeth the Canadian attack here. Okay, uh, let's start the show. Anthony, you lead off after I do the introduction. Uh, hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, August 4th, 2017. I'm Anthony Mangione, uh, Senior Writer at Sunrise Philly Magazine. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Michael Lagello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Well, we have the Summer Showcase going on in Plymouth, Michigan. We'll talk a little bit about that and some of the players who are playing in that. You know, some 2018 draft picks, some 2017 draft picks who are you know, maybe trying to impress certain general managers and coaches that are watching the uh, – watching the uh, the games being played. But the announcement early this morning, uh, we'll lead off with that, of uh, the uh, coaching staff of Team USA for the upcoming uh, 2018 Olympics in Pyeongchang, South Korea. Uh, Tony Granato, former NHL coach with the Colorado Avalanche, was named head coach of the Olympic squad. And his coaching staff is pretty interesting. Um, we have Chris Chelios, former uh, NHL defenseman, Hall of Famer, uh, former uh, Sabres co- head coach Ron Ralston, 
uh, Stanley Cup winner Scott Young, who's now the director of player development with Pittsburgh, and Yale coach uh, Keith, is it Elaine? I believe Elaine, yeah. Yeah, Keith Elaine. So, Russ, I mean, to go along with the statement that the GM of the Olympic squad, Jim Johansson, said after, uh, which was that he would not go out and try to recruit American players who have NHL contracts, unlike possibly the Russians might. Um, this coaching staff seems to be completely, will be completely focused on drawing talent from the NCAA. And be very defensive. Keith Elaine's a very defensive coach. Chelios preaches defense, obviously. And they're going to have to be. Because when they go up against Russia, that's going to be a high-powered offense. When they go up against the Swedes and the Finns, there's going to be a lot of familiarity there. A lot of players that are used to playing with each other for years. The continuity on those teams will be great compared to the continuity of a Team USA. Anthony, what did you think of the uh, – I mean, there was some speculation that it was going to be somebody like Dan Bilesma, who's not affiliated right now with an NHL team after getting fired by the Sabres. Um, you know, Granado has NHL experience and he has college experience, so that, that dual thing I think is a good thing for the Olympic coach. I think so. Again, there's going to be a definite, as Russ said, there's going to be a definite identity for this uh, for this U.S. squad going into the 2018 Olympics. I don't think there's any question about that. They the the hirings, as Russ say, are very defensive oriented. Um, and again, they're, again, based on the talent level, they're going to have to be because with so many, uh, it's it's just their pool is just much more limited as to what they can what they can do in this circumstance. But again, in a short tournament, if you keep the games close. You know, sometimes you get some surprises. I'm not saying this is, you know, a chance of a, of a, of a 1980 surprise, but uh, I would think that this is going to be uh, – it's going to be very interesting to see how the – U, uh, which players they select, how the U.S. is going to deploy – how the U.S. team is going to deploy them. I do think Granado was – it was a good choice. Um, Biles might get the – you guys know I'm not a, I'm not a big Bile, Dan Bilesma fan. Um, right. I've never – I think he's a, he's an okay coach. Uh, but in turn, I think he very much benefited from a lot of talent uh, in Pittsburgh, and uh, I think in Buffalo this was a different thing. And I, th- uh, I think he, he proved himself to be more of a mid-level coach than a, an elite coach. I think Granado, based on how they're setting this team up, I think is a good choice, specifically because he his recent experience as coaching University of Wisconsin. Have we got a Tim Thomas update yet? Has, it, has anybody reached out to Tim Thomas yet? Come on. No, I think he's at Smoke's Poutinery right now. No, no, listen, oh. he's got a goalie school. Like, you know, if Tim could start working out now, I have high hopes for him. Well, all I can say is this. I mean, it had to be a college coach because, I mean, if, if, if Phil Housley hadn't been hired as the Buffalo head coach, I would have said he would have been one of the leading candidates. But as an, if he was an assistant with Nashville, they're not going to let him go away for three weeks to coach the U.S. Olympic team. So right. it had it really had to be a college coach based on the you know what the NHL is doing right now in terms of not letting any players who are on NHL contracts and that means NHL players NHL players players with NHL contracts in the American Hockey League players with Amer- uh, NHL contracts playing in junior I mean, to be fair, it could have been a USHL coach too I mean to yeah, be it, could, fair. it could have it could have yeah. but um but you know but I mean and I I did a quick uh scan through like the last three or four nhl drafts and you know some of the players who are playing at this summer showcase um you know they're i mean okay here we got uh middle stat sabers first round pick uh kaylor yamamoto 
uh, Jake Ottinger and Joseph Wall, the two goaltenders. Kiefer Bellows, who scored a couple uh, goals in the uh, in the in the World Junior Gold Medal game against uh, Canada last last year. He hasn't been signed by the Islanders. Uh, uh, Riley Tufty, Tage Thompson, Trent Frederick, Andrew Peak, and Jordan Greenway. So the I think these guys. I mean. The, Anthony, what this looks like, I mean, it looks like we've gone back 38 years to 19, or no, 39 years to 1979 when yeah. Herb Brooks was putting together the 1980 Olympic team. It was players from Wisconsin and Minnesota and UMass and BU and BC, and that's the way they're going to have to go. I mean, that's what I alluded to previously. I just said this is, I'm not saying this, this is going to be a repeat of, 19, of, of the 1980 squad, but in terms of composition, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's the direction they're pretty much, you know, locked into here uh, with the NHL making the position that they've made already. So I think there's good young talent there. I said, but again, you're going up against, likely going up against pros in, in from the KHL. Uh, that's going to be a tall order. I mean, physical, just from the physical standpoint of going up against men, you're going to be playing on an international surface. You're not playing on a North, you know, in the, the Olympic size rank. You got to get yourself ready for that. A lot of the players that are going to play uh, for the Swedes or for any of the European teams are going to have, you know, and an, I don't want to say a, a noticeable advantage because, again, you do have some of these young players who have played on their international surfaces themselves. But it's, you know, they've got a, they've got a tall order ahead of them. There's no question about that in terms of uh, prepping themselves. But they're going to have to establish the systems pretty quickly with this team, ingrain it in them the same way, many ways that Brooks did back in 79 and get them playing as one unit. And as Russ said, it's going to be a lot of, you know, they're going to try to keep these scores down as much as they can. Russ, based on what Anthony just said, I think that they might lean more towards towards young players because they've had that dual experience of playing in North American size rinks and international size rinks. Whereas, I mean, now some of the, you know some of the players who played in the KHL, you know, they've played the same as well. But when we were talking earlier in the week about guys who are NHL veterans who haven't signed contracts, like say for example Jerome Ginla or Shane Doan. You know, first of all, they're older, they're slower, they're older, they're slower, and they're and they're pl and they've played most of their careers on NHL ice surfaces. I think this lessens the chance of those guys playing, and more increases players who have played internationally. Yeah, I think I I think a lot of that's true. The worry worrisome part about the list you had, and I know you're just pulling guys, is you know their size, but there's not. Olympic foot speed there and and that's the problem like someone like Kiefer Bellows I wouldn't put on the Olympic squad because he's not a good enough skater right. He just gets by at the level. He's at right now at the world junior level mm -hmm. You put him up another level there. It's gonna be a problem for him He's not ready for that. And so there's some of those guys that won't be able to make it because of that right. I I put someone like I would rather have Casey Middlestad in there now than Kiefer Bellows in there now like that's just I don't care about the age part of it but again, a lot of these schools are, you know, are they going to be reluctant in giving up these kids that they, some of them, they've just gotten there, you know? So that's, that's going to be a, a real issue to see how that works out. 
Well, and in a sense, I mean, beggars can't be choosers here. The pool of the talent that they can pick from is limited. So, you know, maybe ideally in a, in a different situation, Kiefer Bellows might not make it because of the concerns you have. But because they, you know, they can only pull from the NCAA or the USHL or European leagues, he might make it because, I mean, he's come up big in international competition before. So that might be a consideration. Maybe. And I just use him as an example, but maybe. Yeah. And another thing to consider, again, with the veterans, with a guy like like Doan or Aginla, they're still trying to keep their kind of feet, you know, keep their ear to the ground with the NHL. And they right. probably – between that and having to go all the way to Korea to play, I mean, I mean, it's always an honor, obviously, to, to represent your country in the Olympics. But that's a – for guys their age, whether or not they want to make that haul all the way over to Korea to, to do that – it would be – I just feel like there's – between the age, between the ice surface, even with yeah. their size and their experience, I don't – I think a lot of that, there's, there's, there's the, the cons outweigh the pros as much as they do for those guys. And, and I believe it would be a Ginla if he, if he played and he won a gold medal would be his third because I think he was on 2002 and he was in, in, uh, in Vancouver as well. Yeah. yeah. The, the biggest – to me, the biggest problem for the U.S. team is if they – if there are some colleges that aren't open to this, the goaltending is going to take a tremendous hit. And, and that, that's the worry because if they can't get a Jake Ottinger yeah. or a Wool, they're going to take a huge hit. And, and that's going to be, it's going to be very hard to find newly retired or AHL quality goalies that you could feel like you could throw in there and would perform well in Olympic competition. Because, again, I know we're, we're not seeing NHLers, but when you face the Russian team, yeah. you're facing close to an NHL team. Yeah, and and Kevin Allen wrote uh, in USA Today, I think it was last week, about you know possible goaltending uh, options for Team USA. And one of the names that came up was David Leggio, who's from the Western New York area and played wow. in the American Hockey League for a number of years. And I'm like, I honestly, I would rather go. I mean, I understand they're young kids. I would rather go with an Ottinger or a Wall. And I'm not, it's not, it's oh, not, yeah. not a, it's not ripping Leggio. No. It's the fact that, you know, he was at best an age and he went over to Europe and played. You're talking about playing against, you know, Kovalchuk and Datsuk and, you know, Samsonov in goal for Russia. I mean, Russia is going to be loaded. I think Sweden and Finland will be competitive. Uh, Canada depends on what they what they do. But, I mean, it, it's going to be tough if, if, if you have a bunch of kids and the goaltender is a, a guy who I think is, you know, I'm, I think he's a free agent. So, yeah, I, I think they, I think it would be better to go young. And you know what? Worst yeah. case scenario, even if you lose, you've given these players international experience that they'll maybe benefit from down the line. Or so. Tim Thomas. Call Tim <laughs> Thomas. Tim Thomas. Yeah, John Van Beesbrook. Are you on now, listen, Tim Thomas is younger, a lot younger than Van Beesbrook. No offense to John. Okay. Uh, in the news, uh, the curious hiring of Don Maloney, the former uh, general manager of the Arizona slash Phoenix Coyotes, as the VP of Hockey Operations. Not so uh, curious. With, with the with the Calgary Flames. Now remember, uh, Brad for Living was an assistant GM in Arizona, so he's <laughs> comfortable with Don Maloney. But I mean, is this sort of? I mean, I'm sure that Brian Burks gave his stamp of approval to this, maybe. But this sort of would, in my mind, usurp a little of Burke's footprint on control of hockey operations there? No, I think, I think Burke will still have his thumbprint all over it. But I, he's more of a PR guy now, anyhow, if you think about it. And, and Maloney is more of a nuts and bolts player guy. 
and and a great scout in and of himself. Like this is a guy who's literally at the rink all the time. He'll be everywhere, and and that's where Don Maloney can help you. Don Maloney's not the type that will, you know, have sights on your job. He's not that guy. When you put in Don Maloney, you're get you're getting a guy that just has a lot of experience and and he's a really good bird dog and he's really good with player development and things like that. And so that's where. Calgary could take a really good jump here if you think about it compared to some of the other Canadian teams and some of the other teams in the NHL. Yeah, I would concur. I, I kind of, when I saw the, the news this morning about Maloney joining Calgary, the first thing I thought was, is he the executive to be named later and getting Mike Smith over there? <laughs> <laughs> but um, again, I, I think it's it's a smart move on Calgary's part. I think he's an excellent, as Russ really kind of laid it out there, He's he's, he's got, you know, Great eyes, obviously, in terms of uh, for talent. He's, I mean, he, he, how he was able to keep Arizona, a, you know, a competitive. I mean, they were better team. with him than they are without him. Exactly. We're going to be very curious to see how, you know, I mean, everybody loves John Shaka, but we're going to have to see now that, you know, that, you know, Maloney is no longer in the picture, how the Coyotes are going to continue to evolve as a team. I like what the Coyotes have done uh, so far this offseason, some of their moves, but they are very much a work in progress in my mind but getting back to Calgary again I think I, I do like the Maloney uh, Maloney coming on board and Russ pretty much said it too I, again Burt I always get the impression anymore that he's there for the cameras he's there for you know he's obviously there to be the public face of the organization but I think the I agree the nuts and bolts really falls to travel uh traveling and of course uh and now obviously to uh, to Maloney being his assistant I, I think we've I think we've got it in terms of Arizona moving. They're moving piece by piece. First it was Mike Smith, now then it was Michael Stone, mm-hmm. now 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 it's Don Maloney. You know, eventually they're gonna they'll be the second team in Calgary. Um, but no, no, I mean I have to say though, with Burke in Toronto, he did assemble you know a group. Uh, it was not just him by himself. It wasn't a uh, you know a Brian Burke power trip. He brought in Rick Dudley. He brought in Dave Poole, and he brought in Dave Nona. So he likes to have differing opinions and have a a a, a big staff to be able to bounce I- the ideas off of. So I think that's more of what Maloney is being brought in for than anything. It's you know I, I think it's an it's an okay move. I just I, I agree with what with Russ said. I mean some of the moves that he made late in his tenure in Arizona, I, I would question a little bit. You don't know what kind of pressure he was under with budgetary. He was under pressure. Yeah, sure. but I mean, you know, some of them you can question, but I mean, and and as for as for Chica and what he's done, I mean, pro, you know, proof is in the pudding. I, they they did get Stepan, they did get uh, Ranta as the goaltender. They've signed some free agents, but that team seems to be going nowhere fast and consistently on the rebuild and never and never going in any particular direction. Now, uh, the other bit of news today has to do with the Coyotes in a bad way and that's the injury to Jacob Chikrin their first round pick from last year who played as an 18 year old in the NHL and played pretty well um he injured his knee in off-season work in an off-season workout uh he had surgery yesterday and he is out indefinitely now obviously we're five weeks away from the opening of training camp we're nine weeks away from the beginning of the regular season but you know, if this is a serious injury, and then they haven't, and they haven't specified if this was like an ACL tear, or if it was just ligament damage, we don't know the extent of the injury. But it, when they say out indefinitely, and it's August, the first thing that comes to mind, Anthony, is like he's going to be out 
yeah. into the regular season. Pro That's yeah, I, I would think probably November into December potentially if it's the, if, if you're dropping it indefinitely down. It it puts Arizona in a real real in an interesting situ in an interesting uh, situation right now defensively. Um, does you know for a team like the Vegas Golden Knights who has a you know quite a few defensemen they're looking to offload. Could they, do I think uh, there's possibly that he's that uh, that Jordan Fee's on the horn with John Shake? I think there's a pretty good chance he's probably fielded a few calls on some of those defensemen. Whether or not Shake uh, would have the go ahead to add that sour add out of it one of those veteran pricier defensemen that Vegas has um, in order to solidify his defense. So, but here, but are the Vegas Golden Knights going to be rena center this year for other teams in That's the NFL? I, I mean, it's possible they're going to. They're looking. You know, we know where they're at right now. They, they, McPhee didn't play this uh, defensive situation right. There's no question. He's is got McPhee the number one guy on everybody's speed dial. Sure, oh, absolutely. If you're going to be as looking soon, for a defensive as as, this season, yeah. As soon as somebody gets injured, yeah. the first thing they're going to do is look at the Vegas Golden Knights and say, "Okay, left wing. Oh, okay, let's call him about this guy." I mean, of course, he's or McPhee's going to call them. Yeah, <laughs> over what it is, McPhee's and, looking probably to offload. Uh, he, he may be on the horn with them. And Russ, we were we were talking off air a couple days ago, looking looking at the at the Vegas defense. And if you look, I mean, and according to our our, our cap our cap central, uh, we you know they have eleven right now eleven defensemen who would be considered NHL defensemen. Although I I don't I don't consider Brad Hunt an NHL defenseman. No. And of that group, I think there are only two of the say ten defensemen who are top four potential top four caliber, and that's Shea Theodore and Nate Schmidt. Other yeah. than that, I don't think any of them – I think all of them are bottom-pairing guys. No, I agree. And, like, a guy like Garrison can't stay healthy. And But, you know, for short stints, if you need Jason Garrison for two months, yeah, you know, it's probably worthwhile to get him. I, I think the other interesting thing about Vegas, though, is, is that Nate Schmidt took him to arbitration. They get their first arbitration case right out of the hopper. I don't know if anybody saw that coming. I didn't see that coming. Yeah, and they're trying to get Schmidt signed on a two-year deal for I think it was less than a million dollars, and he's asking for over two. And then that, that's the thing. It's like, you, have you noticed the the, the wide disparity, yeah. the, the Dumoulin contract, the Dahan contract? Yeah. I mean, you could drive a Mack truck through the. Well, I, I think, and I think the reason on this one is when Nate Schmidt went there, if the arbitrator looks at who they have on the team, the same way you just broke it down. Yeah. He's a very valuable guy to that team, so yeah. he's probably going to get his asking price. Yeah, I think this is a very good. I, I completely agree, Russell. I think that's that's likely what's going to happen if Vegas doesn't figure out the deal. Because uh, again, they could still before the award is announced, oh, yeah. they still announce the contract. Yes. Um, but again, if you look at who they have, Schmidt is incredible. I looked at him and I said he's incredibly valuable to them. He's their yeah. top. He's there, you know, one or two at this point right now. If yes. you're looking at, at at the quality of defensemen, you know the Caps really didn't want to lose him. Maybe they put Branstrom in the NHL right away, so they'll they'll use him. But I don't know. That's no. a little. I know. Listen. Well, yeah, it's a little too soon. I think. I mean, I know a I lot agree. of people. I know there's a lot of. Uh, well, who like Brands uh, Branstrom, but that's a little too soon to be throwing him into the fray like that. Anyway. That, that that feeds in that feeds into my into my question here because and I knew that was your question. You said you were going to keep it a surprise. It, it, not a good poker face there, Mike. Oh, okay, thank, yeah. thank you. Oh, I have four of a kind. Thank you. Um, okay, the, the the Philadelphia Flyers yesterday signed Morgan Frost, their twenty uh, seventh overall pick. 
uh, and congratulations to Morgan on the deal. Um, now, and, and, and Isaac Radcliffe. Radcliffe. I, was, I, was, I, was, I was sticking mostly with the first round picks, and that was why the, the uh, yeah, really you're going to diss Radcliffe like well, that. I'm not dissing Radcliffe. The fact that they just... traded three picks up to get to, to get to Radcliffe. I'm, you have to kind I'm, of put him in the in the thing, Mike. That's I'm not dissing pick. Radcliffe. I hope. No, you. it's just it's just it's just it's it's you, you see Morgan Frost and stars go in your eyes. It's just your way, Mike. We understand. Go ahead. <laughs> anyway, my question, and that was the reason I, I limited the focus on Morgan Frost, is because we, you know, as opposed to last year where we had a few, more than a few uh, first-round picks who played in the NHL, this year it's not expected that a, a great number of them are going to uh, play in the in the league. That they're either going to stay in junior or go 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 to college or stay in Europe. Now, okay, right now. Uh, I have the over under at two for players in the 2017 NHL draft that were drafted in the first round who will play more than, let's say, 20 NHL games. Mm -hmm. Over under, Russ. For some reason, we're in the cap world. I'm going to go over. Okay. Um, now, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll get everybody's answer first and then I'll ask you to expound on, it. uh, Anthony. I'm going to say over, but not by a ton. I think we're still, I think we end up in, I think it'll be single digits. I don't think we go over. I think it's probably in the range of about, I'm going to say four to five. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm barely over. I'm like at three. I think that, uh, you I mean, know. Again, to me, there's two lockdowns, and then after that, it's uh, – well, I don't want to right. say lockdown completely on, on, on Patrick, but good chance if he's in camp and looks good, he's going to be on the flyer roster. So Yeah, I mean, the, the top the top two, obviously. But then it's like, who is that – you know, who is that third guy? And, and I, okay, this is not like, you know, uh, the blue and white glasses going on here. Um, glass, I think, is there, there, there. There's a possibility on glass. I wouldn't. Be, it wouldn't shock me. Well, no. And, well, I, I, oh, he's I, going I a different route, Ann. No, well, I, I, I agree. Oh, I agree. got it. Okay. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not putting on the blue and white glasses here. No, but, no, no, I know. But if you look, if you look, if you look at the way that the Maple Leafs talked about Lil Jagrin at the development camp, the way he's playing at the summer showcase, the fact that. Uh, Lou Lamorello said, "Well, he may play for the Marlies. I, you know, they, so they they they've already broached him staying in North America. If he lights it up at training camp and he's a right hand shot defenseman, this team last year played a whole bunch of 18, 19, and twenty year olds. They're used to it, and so is Mike Babcock. I don't think it's a big stretch to think that Liljegren could make the Leafs if he had a great training camp. That they may not want to rush him, but." If he keeps playing well, I think he's got a chance. And if he if he makes it, you know, they can always send him back down to the Marlies. You know, but if he makes it, he could you know, he, or even if he starts with the Marlies and gets called up later in the year, like like Nylander did a few years ago, I think there's a possibility. I don't think it's a great possibility, but I think there'll be at least three. So yeah, I, I think I think you're right with Heesher, and if Patrick's healthy, I think you're right about that. And then I think. The way things are rolling for Elias Anderson, uh, it's probably going to be a real good chance on that. After that, 
you know, then then you are looking at maybe some other defenseman like Heiskinen or Lilligren or somebody where the team says, you know, we could slot him in here and we're going to take a chance. And somebody's going to do it. Like with these kids, a lot of them aren't ready physically and they're not, but they but they come in so well prepared that they can look good in camp and look good in preseason and get on a roster. And that's the that's the tough part. That's the real tricky part. Like you're watching a summer showcase. Mm-hmm. There's occasional hits, but there's not huge corner battles. No. There's not, you know, they're, they're, they're not killing each other out there. And so you can't base everything on what you see there, right? I see reports coming out already from people on that. And you kind of have to, you know, cool your jets a little on that stuff. Well, I, I know you wrote a piece for Sportsology on Erasmus Dahlin, who yeah. is one of the two. He still isn't playing. He's still sick. Still sick. Um, and but this is this is the interesting thing. And Craig Button said this during the broadcast. He's like, basically, he said, and Svechnikov, uh, the younger brother of the Detroit first round pick, uh, is the other uh, top. Uh, prospect that may be picked first overall. We're talking, you know, it's August and we're talking yeah. 10 months away. So there's a, a lot of things that can happen in between now and then. But interesting thing that Craig Button said, he's like, I will always take a quote franchise level defenseman over a franchise level winger. And to me that, you know, I mean, that obviously puts Dolan ahead of Svechnikov, unless Svechnikov just blows everybody away. And didn't he play? Did he play in the USHL last year, uh, Russ? Or was yes. it? Yes. Yeah. So I mean, he's but had. Yeah. This to me is a change in maybe not in Craig's philosophy, but a change in philosophy in general. Because I think if you went back just like three years ago, everybody would take the franchise forward because they the and, franchise forward is going to. I mean, an example of that, right, Russ? I mean, Seth, the, the Seth yeah. Jones draft. I mean, everybody had Jones. Right, and, I, and that's what I'm sort of going back to. When yeah. I remember the defense was sort of coming in vogue then when it was becoming more important, and people were killing me to talk about taking McKinnon first. But you know what? Even to this day right now, that's still the better first pick over Seth Jones. He's still a better player. Now, will that hold up in another three, four years? Maybe, maybe yeah. not. But but the thing is, and I, I think this is the this is where it gets a little tangled, is the fact that you know McKinnon's a center. Yeah. And you know, I think centers and defensemen yeah. centers and defensemen have that upper t- have that tier yeah. where they're right there because they yeah. affect the game right. the most. Right. But wingers, I mean, it, okay, if you're if you're a supreme talent like Patrick Line, you can affect the game. Alex yeah. Ovechkin can. You got to be a high end guy. But, but you got to be big. You got to be fast. You got to you got to have everything to be a dominant player in the NHL. So, and so many are, um, and so many you know even guys who were in, in junior are centers that get converted to wing, and some are very successful at that because again the responsibilities are less. But, but, but this is where I think things have changed. If, if I could tell teams that you could have a guy that'll get 80 85 points a year whether he's a center or a winger or you could have a defenseman that's going to get 55 or 60 but is a great puck mover plays really good defense right. now they might take the defenseman over him where years before there's no way 
Right, and there and there are players as you described, Anthony, like Mitch Marner, who it was a center and junior yeah. played right wing the last. Travis Konechny too. Konechny's another. Konechny as well, yeah. and and physically, it's it you know it's they have to play the wing in the NHL because they may not be big enough, or you know, I mean, I, I think Marner could handle the defensive responsibilities of a center, but it's the matching up against the other big center that's the problem. But he can generate offense. I mean, he was the center of the offense on that line with Bozak and Van. And Reamsdyke, he you know he 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 was the generator on that line. So guys like Kucherov can do that on the wing, but there are, I think you can count on two hands the number of wingers that can do that in the NHL, and that's why in the draft it was center, 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 defense, defense, defense. And it, and, and it usually plays out that way almost every time. Uh, yeah, who was, who was the who, who was the first winger? Wasn't it Owen Tippett? I believe um, yeah, was. Tippett was. Yeah, it was Tippett. It was Owen Tippett. And again, Tip, you know, it's not a bad pick. It, 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 he's no, no. like Tippett a lot, but you're going to go center in this case. And I mean, I go back to what Ron Hextall said to us afterwards and, and the big debate about, you know, with so many centers or moving guys yeah. off, you know, after they acquired Yuri Lederer for you know, as part of the Frost trade, what are you going to do with all these centers? He's like, I'd rather have centers who could swing out to wing than vice versa because it's extremely difficult to find. Those types, of, you know, those types of players in that circumstance. It's you know, you'd rather have the centers in this case because, in my opinion, I think this holds out as pretty well across the board. That's the strength of most championship level hockey teams: is the spine of the team has to be strong, the centers, the defense, and the goal. And then, in most cases, in a lot of cases, when they acquire wingers, they usually get them shortly before they're about, you know, when they have that foundation in place. You then either have the winger that you've developed or you end up trading for that. That's like the final, you know, cherry on top of yeah. a championship team. But I'll give you an example, though, where – and this is where you do have to be careful. Like, Kale McCarr went up against Ricard Hug in, like, a wall battle mm -hmm. and came out empty on that. Hug beat him. Now, they're similar size. Actually, Hug's an inch smaller. And they're similar weight. But Hug's been playing against men. Right. McCarr has competition versus who Cal McCarr has been playing against. Now, again, McCarr and has so, – And McCarr will eventually rise to the level. Exactly. But, just, but, but, you know, when you, when you start to, to take picks like that, you have to sort of look at all of these things now because it matters. What, the competition in the Alberta Junior Hockey League? Isn't that great? Yeah, I know. Um, okay. Um, interesting little note here um, from Adrian Dater interviewing John Buchagross from ESPN. Uh, quote is, is quoted in saying, I'm real optimistic that we, meaning ESPN, will be part of the NHL plan next time around. Now, remember, the contract with NBC, it extends through 2020. So negotiations apparently would start, obviously, probably a year or even longer before then. Um, Buchagross says in, in the – I'm not in the negotiations or decisions, but the negotiations open up in two years and, and the NBC, NBC deal expires in three. There's no doubt ESPN was very aggressive the last time trying to get the package and will be very aggressive this time. I feel good about our chances to get some. Now, I, I have to say here, Buchagross just recently signed an extension in ES, with ESPN. He, he, he does the play-by-play -play for the Frozen Four. He did it for the World Cup. He's probably salivating at the opportunity for ESPN to get NHL back so he can do the, do the broadcast, and he, he's great at it. But what I see here, Russ, uh, is when the contract comes up, I you know as we know the NHL and Gary Bettman 
always mimic the NBA. And why? I don't know why they're not doing a game of the week with ES with the, with ESPN, a game of the week with NBC and NBC Sports Network, just like just like the NBA does it on TNT and TBS, ESPN and ABC. Spread it out, get it out there. You get more money, you get more uh, eyeballs watching the game. I think that's the direction that the NHL is probably going in a few years. I don't think ESPN wants it. I think this is hopeful. This is John Butchagross being hopeful. I think ESPN got the World Cup contract because it was cheap and yeah. it came at the time of the year where they didn't have a lot of programming that was you know very good and they also were going through network issues where they were shedding a lot of salary so this was something that they could put on very cheaply espn i don't even know if they'll be able to compete with nbc dollar wise for this contract because i, I this is the bigger worry what's going to happen with espn when the nba contract comes up again i don't think they could afford that again and what's going to happen with them with the NFL contract? I don't know if they could afford that again either. They might lose another sport before they gain anything like hockey. So I think this is all wishful thinking. Well, and and I actually you know, don't think ESPN is looking for expensive programming right now unless they lose another sport. Well, I think that feeds into this point, Ross. And Anthony, I want your opinion on this. The NHL will be a lot less expensive than the NBA or the NFL. They, you know, if they can't afford those, they can maybe afford the NHL as a replacement. Now, obviously, you know, you're not going to get as many eyeballs watching ESPN if it's a game between Chicago and Boston on a, on a Thursday night instead of an NFL game, but they need they might need programming if they can't afford the multi-billion dollars that the NFL will will demand, Anthony. But this is also one of the reasons why we've seen so many layoffs at ESPN. So many, you know, all those, all that staff being. I mean, we're talking high-level, great writers, yeah. great, con, you know, great content, and they're gone. Like Jason Stark being gone was that yeah. that was crazy. Yeah. Um, John Clayton, yeah. John Clayton, all the so many, so many good people in that case that, that have been staples there for years and are you know. Yeah, and there and there is no hockey department right now, Pierre. There's a hockey department. I mean, when you got when you're bringing Barry, you know, you bring bringing Barry Melrose on for a quick, you know, couple minute hit there, and it's you're getting nothing, you know, offense, you're not getting much here, you know. Yeah, Barry, um, tell tell us how you uh, tell us how you benched Stephen Stamkos back in 2009. Exactly. I mean, that's at this point now. That's that's the fact. That's if they were bringing somebody on board that was like you know an expert who was like pretty well respected as part of that. I mean. The writing department, the hockey writing department, got gutted. I mean, everybody's everybody we know who was there at a whole team. Three guys, Burnside, mm -hmm. um, Custance left. I mean, Custance. They were trying. They were. Th they were hoping Custance was going to stay. Custance got out, obviously. Um, and they have virtually nothing there. And it's. I hate to say it, again. It's. Yeah, the NHL might be cheaper, but again, everything seems to be geared towards making sure that they get those TV contracts. You know where you know where they want them and they may lose the sport, but I, I think the whole point of why they cut so much the way that they did was to make, to be able to re up those contracts later with those sports, Maybe. with NFL, with MLB, yeah. with NBA and the NHLs. I don't know if the NHLs necessarily going to be a part of that picture. I, you know, I, again, I'm kind of on the line here with Russ that I think butcher grass is hoping this is going to happen. Yeah. But again, he said it himself, he's not like he has any inside information on this. I think it's very much. He's kind of hoping it happens, but but don't you think there's a possibility that the NHL will try to, you know, like, 
I mean, they have games on NHL Network right now. They have games on NBCSN and NBC. I, I agree with you in saying yeah. that spreading it out <laughs> is a good idea for the, for the NHL. I completely agree with that. Yeah. Um, it's just going to be a case of whether or not the NHL wants to do, you know, whether or not they feel that they're going to get the kind of, you know, the level of attention that NBCSN has given them. Um, and they don't want to feel like, you know, third wheel in this case. They want their sport to yeah. be treated with well, that. There's, there's a couple more things. So, yeah, they don't want their games to be on, like, ESPN, the Ocho, which is going to soon come out <laughs> for a day. It's for one day. It's for yeah. one day. Should be called ESPN Uno since it's only right. one day. Uno Ocho. <laughs> they don't. They don't want that. They also don't necessarily want to lose NBC with the 2022 Olympics coming up in Beijing. When the clearly the NHLers are going to be back for that, yes. and that's going to be a massive thing for viewing. I mean, that's something where the players will be get getting. This is. The Players Association is going to be pushing heavy for that because that is a brand new market, an emerging market for the NHL, and that is a way for everybody in Beijing to learn who NHLers are. Are they going to hand that over to ESPN? I don't think so. Probably, probably not. I, I, I do think the one concern that the NHL has, and it's still, I mean, NBCSN's reach in terms of, you know, people being able to see it in certain cities, it's it, it's increased, but it's still not the visibility of ESPN. And if they could get – if they could The get, app has helped, though. The app is the equalizer. Yes. We used to all bitch about it, but we could all get the app now and watch and the NBC Live app. And so that does help. That's been able to get me off of that topic. But at the end of the day, when ESPN is showing – let's say they're showing tennis. Let's say they're showing – a couple of other things are is ESPN going to be willing to put in writing that we will not put you on ESPN three again. I don't think so. I don't think they'll do it. They, they wouldn't even do it for major league baseball. Major league baseball didn't like the fact that they put them on ESPN, you know, the secondary network. So, you know, that's the problem. Yeah. The NHL is going to get a contract with ESPN just so they actually show highlights on sports center again. That would be nice. Okay, guys. They'll show highlights in the Olympics. That's when they'll show highlights. Wonderful. Thank you. Um, yeah, if, if they have the rights to them. Um, okay. No, um, they'll show them the next day. That's what they, you know, they know how that works. Great, but nobody wants to see them. All right, guys, great show. Um, I hope everybody has a great weekend out there. We'll be back on Monday. Um, I know that Eckland will be away for some of next week, so it'll be me and Russ and a variety of different guests. Um, we will be doing shows on Monday and Wednesday through Friday, uh, Tuesday, uh, some scheduling problems. So probably, probably will not be doing a show, but we'll update you that on that on Monday. Uh, for Anthony Mangione, for Russ Cohen, I'm Michael Agello. Thank you for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.